news, views, and interviews. This is CAA On Air. So welcome to the next edition of uh, CA On Air, our podcast from the Civil Aviation Authority. Um, we're just covering one subject today, and that is the new independent review that's been undertaken for the government um, to look at the safety of UK general aviation and, and make any recommendations that, that flow out of that. So part of it's comparing it with um, other pastimes uh, that carry a, a level of risk. Um, and the idea is to give government and, and as a result of that, the CAA, um, a, a full readout of the current state of the of the sector and make recommendations um, on where we could go to to make a difference. Um, I'm glad to say we're joined by the authors of the report here today, uh, Jeffrey Podger and Tony Rapson. Good morning, gentlemen. Hello. Good morning. Um, welcome to CIA on Air. So I think first of all, how did this review happen? Why, why were you asked to do this review? Uh, so it, it dates back to the government's 2050 Aviation Strategy Green Paper, where they made a commitment to undertake a review of the risk and safety in general aviation. Uh, and they wanted that very much to be an independent study led from somebody outside the sector. So that's how Geoffrey Podger came into it, um, but with technical support uh, from the CAA and hence my involvement. Uh, shorthand to establish whether GA is safe enough. Cool. And... Uh, Tony, it probably, it's probably worth at this point just explaining to people who you both are and, and what your experience is to come into this. So, uh, Geoffrey, do you want to um, sort of, as the lead author, explain where you are and where you come from? Yeah, sure. I'm this outsider. Uh, my expertise lies in regulating in other areas and actually in uh, teaching uh, and having an academic attachment on risks generally. So I think the thought was that, uh, as Tony was saying, there really would be advantage uh, in having someone like me who wasn't an expert in the sector. Well, let me say mercifully, I have had uh, Tony's expertise at all times of the day and night, more or less, uh, and therefore we've actually produced something which I hope very much the sector will, will find valuable and will recognise, but equally does have this broader perspective that I've tried to bring. Excellent. And Tony? Tony, well, I was uh, previously the head of the General Aviation Unit, so I spent five years working on an assumption that general aviation was safe enough and, and the safety levels achieved acceptable, uh, but it's never been written down. Um, everybody says they know the answer to the question, but when you try and go and look for it, it's not written down. So in many ways in this report, we've tried to write it down and my successors and the aviation, uh, General Aviation Associations will be able to use it to understand the level of safety performance in, in sport, recreational and personal transport aviation. So it's, it's giving a baseline, if you like, of today, what the, the status is. Yes, very much so. Um, so it, it's a Significant piece of work. So how did you go about deciding what to, to cover in it, who to talk to, and, and, and you know, how would you go about something like this? Well, I think the Department for Transport, who've actually sponsored the whole study, had pretty clear ideas in their own minds as to what they wanted us to cover. So we had our marching orders, but I think it was all actually a, a pretty sensible way forward. And in particular, uh, we they very much wanted us to look at other high-risk recreational sporting activities, see if what happened with recreational general aviation was really out of line or not. And that, I think, is quite sensible because it's no good comparing the safety of general aviation uh, of the kind we're talking about with commercial aircraft, for example. It's a different world. Uh, so we did actually spend quite a lot of time doing that. And needless to say, uh, we spent a lot of time talking to the recreational general aviation community who were incredibly helpful and forthcoming. And we also talked to other regulators uh, who regulate other sporting activities, other recreational areas. 
So um, I think people will be really interested in the findings of this. Obviously, that's the reason you did it in the first place was to actually get the get the results. So how you, you talked about comparing it with other pastimes or the hobbies, similar similar areas. What what did you actually find when you did that? Well, these comparisons are not easy to make. I think we should just say that. Um, but nevertheless, uh, it, the conclusion overall is very clearly that this is not actually uh, in any way out of kilter with the other kind of recreational risks that people choose to take. So, uh, you know, from that point of view, uh, we haven't uh, found some major difficulty. And actually, in comparing the rate of accidents we have with other countries in the, in the field of general aviation, we've equally found that the UK is pretty much uh, amongst the averages. And certainly there are not uh, countries who are doing significantly better than we are. Is there any statistics you can fire at us? Any any comparisons? So we spent a long time looking at the Office of National Statistics website. Uh, and of course, they don't divide up their stats in quite the same way. But one area that was very interesting was um, deaths by immersion in water. Um, so this is swimming pools, rivers and everything else, by and large, where people entered the water voluntarily. Um, and general aviation fatal accidents, about a third of those that there are in, in swimming yeah. and, and swimming pools. So certainly they're a, a clear figure that it, it, it's not unacceptable. Um, we also spent some time looking at the Maritime and Coast Guard Agency because they have a same mix of private and commercial activity. And again, they uh, are challenged by the number of fatalities that they have each year. But again, not dissimilar from that in general aviation. We spent a lot of time uh, reviewing uh, uh, non-involved third-party accidents over a 40-year period. Uh, so not where people were involved in the activity, had chosen to take part in the activity, either as a pilot or a passenger, uh, but very much were, were carrying on their own business and not involved. And, and there are five such accidents, all uh, different, so no trend, and all thoroughly investigated and responded to to the specifics of the accidents, which we believe is the right thing to do. I think that's very much the, the really key point because, you know, people do accept for the pleasure of, of general aviation and other high-risk sporting activities, people are prepared to take the risk. But if you find actually that you've lost your life or somebody you loved has lost their life uh, through an accident in which they had no part, uh, then that really is a different issue in terms of how tolerable the risk is. Uh, and all the evidence shows that people actually are prepared to accept risk with high-risk activities if they want to engage in them, but they absolutely find, find horrific the idea that people who had no desire to engage in them in any way uh, should actually be injured or even worse, killed by them. So that really was quite an important point to establish, as Tony says. And you also talk about passengers as well on general aviation aircraft. So those that are uh, acknowledging that they're taking part in it. Um, what, what did you find out about those particular people? So the, the passengers, it's, it's a term that gives a, a challenge in aviation because a passenger is very much the uh, EASA and ICAO definition, which is a fair paying passenger on a commercial transport flight. And they rightly get a very high level of protection. In general aviation, then a passenger is a participant in a private flight arranged between private individuals in a non-commercial activity. So uh, in, in my mind, I think very much more as a participant and therefore as a participant, they have to make a judgment on whether it's a reasonable thing to take part in. Um, now, there are flight briefings, there is other information available, how much they engage with that ultimately comes down to their responsibility. So 
very much a participant rather than the traditional definition of a passenger in commercial aviation. Mm -hmm. okay. And I think probably this is quite a sort of controversial area that we've uh, made this conclusion, but I do think it's right. I think there's a very great deal of difference between taking a commercial flight where quite rightly you have all sorts of regulational and regulatory protections and actually going into what is obviously a small, relatively unsophisticated aeroplane with a friend as a passenger. And I think people are perfectly capable of making that choice. And after all, the inordinate majority of people who do make that choice are going to land safely, having had a really enjoyable flight. Yeah, absolutely. And you, you touched on other countries. Is there anything we can say about how we can compare with some of those countries? Uh, so, yes, uh, I mean, one of the reasons we focused on fatal accident rates was because we could have a high level of confidence in the figures from other states. When you, you get below that, it can get more difficult. Um, we compared to the non-EASA states as well, because we had a lot of information already from EASA. And depending which year you looked at, some years we did better, some years not quite so well. But as Jeffrey said earlier, broadly uh, the same or slightly better than. So our regulatory framework, and particularly important, the recent changes, aren't showing a significant uh, downward trend. Uh, so you know, safety in general aviation is delivered by the community and the pilots. And that's backed up, of course, by most accidents uh, come out to be human factors. Um, we did spend some time uh, looking at the regulatory regime in America because um, they deliver broadly a similar level, slightly higher fatal accident rate in some areas. Uh, but their system is going through a period of change at the moment for a number of reasons. So uh, whilst their airworthiness regime is seen as more liberal, if the EASA Part M light system comes in, then we may get closer to that. How that's adopted into UK law, we will have to wait and see. So progress is being made both on the, the deregulation and, and alleviation agenda and maintaining safety levels as well. So you mentioned regulation. Mm -hmm. That's a good hook into the fact that one of your key findings was that there's no need for more regulation, that, that the level of regulation we have in the UK already meets the, the requirement to keep the level of safety acceptable, I guess. That's my interpretation. But um, uh, can you expand on that? You know, where, how did you come up with the view that we, we don't need any more regulation? Well, let me say, first of all, as somebody who's uh, been a regulator in various sectors and, and indeed in one sector still is a regulator, uh, nothing could be more fallacious than the idea that we just have to keep piling regulations on regulations and we'll get more safety. It just isn't so. What we actually need to do is cover the basics, cover what's important. And in this particular area, it goes back to what Tony said earlier, which is that um, what is apparent from all the discussions we had is that where there are these uh, a small number, but of very obviously unpleasant accidents, it's almost invariably human factors that are involved. It's not always easy to absolutely determine the cause, but human factors is certainly the major cause. And what that is saying is that, you know, for whatever reason, uh, the pilot actually made some kind of mistake, lost control, miscalculated, whatever. And, you know, you can't make a regulation which says, pilot, you will not in future miscalculate. That's balmy. Um, you know, these are very much individuals who are taking these risks and how they react to, to risks which emerge will very much depend, one, on them having been trained properly. But secondly, and this is a major point we make in the report, on people actually doing refresher training from time to time so they actually keep themselves up to the mark and don't become complacent. Because in any field, it's very easy to say, 
or I've got the skills, I've passed the test, now I'm all right. And the danger is that people become overconfident and then suddenly it all goes wrong. Most of the time they take risks and it's fine, then it suddenly goes wrong. And that's why we said that it's really important that pilots should actually do refresher training. Uh, and indeed, uh, I went to uh, one of these training courses run by Gasco recently and it was very impressive. And what was also impressive was the number of pilots who were really keen to refresh their skills and learn. And I, I think we're pretty clear, both of us, that that's the way forward. That, that makes sense. So currency, extra training, does, does safety promotion or anything else like that fall into those those areas that you know, that can be done to help increase safety. Absolutely. We, we looked at a lot of the uh, safety promotion work done by the associations and by GASCO, uh, and it's all good quality. Um, it benefits from being done by the GA community for the GA community. And when you get down into the subsectors, be that the BGA, uh, the British Micro Light Aircraft Association or, or the Light Aircraft Association, then very f- much focused on their particular activities, which, which adds to the value of it. Uh, and that should all continue. Um, yeah. We couldn't establish it, its effect in numerical terms, but that it is having an effect is clear. Uh, That gave us a concern if there are pilots out there that are operating entirely on their own, then there is a risk they will develop uh, bad habits or poor practices and not be uh, challenged on that. So, you know, get involved with other pilots, join an association, uh, challenge your skills from time to time and do refresher training uh, so that you don't end up reinforcing bad habits. Yeah, as the outsider, I couldn't agree more with what Tony's just said. It's quite clear that that is the real lesson of the review. And, and that's really the message we want to get over. It makes perfect sense. Um, any other findings or details in the report that you think the, the GA community should should really hook into and, and, and pay attention to? I would want to emphasise, as we went through this work and we looked at the regulatory changes that have been, happened in the UK and in the EASA system over the last uh, few years, and indeed that that is planned to, c- to come, we found no uh, degradation in safety because of those changes. Um, therefore, that supports that agenda going forward. And the community uh, clearly wants more delegation and is happy to work through exactly what that looks like with the CAA uh, as we go forward from here. Yeah, that's a good point. What happens now? So we've, we've published the report, and for those people that want to see it, it's, it's available via the CAA website. The direct link is www.caa.co.uk forward slash CAP1886. Um, and you can see the, the full report there. What, what happens now? Well, the report's now going out for consultation, so hopefully people who are listening to this podcast will have a look at it. If there are any points that strike them they want to make, they are very welcome to uh, write in uh, and let us know. Uh, the report is indeed an independent report written by me, so people aren't obliged to take any notice of it if they don't want to. But we have kept in close touch uh, with the, uh, the Department for Transport and, of course, with CAA colleagues. Uh, and I have every hope that actually people will take up what we say in the report uh, and that this will be accepted uh, as really a valid response to questions which were rightly posed. And as we were saying earlier, in particular, that people will continue with putting this emphasis on refresher training, promotion, because that is actually the way forward. And that's by far our best uh, weapon uh, in the fight for safety. Brilliant. Thank you very much. Thank you both to, to Jeffrey and Tony for coming in today. Any thoughts, any views, please let us know. The email address to contact us on is onair at caa.co.uk. Thank you very much. See you next time. Thanks for listening. This is CAA On Air.